I couldn't be mad at them. I mean, they raised me the best they could. I think that's part of where the drinking came into was because I was so angry. And I mean, even growing up, I had a lot of anger issues and never knew why. But that anger, I, I couldn't take it out on them because I mean, it would just, it would kill them. I couldn't live with myself if, if that was the case. So I had to direct it elsewhere. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today you're going to meet Gloria. She called me from Texas. Growing up with Mexican parents, she tried to find the ways she looked like her family. In adulthood, following the whim of some co-workers, Gloria did a DNA test, naive to what it could possibly reveal. In a matter of months, she was plunged into the depths of being a late discovery adoptee. She began drinking to cope, accidentally pushed her sister away, but managed to hang on to her relationship with her biological mother. This is Gloria's journey. Gloria said she always felt like an outsider as a child growing up in her home in Houston, Texas. She didn't look like the rest of her Mexican family. They had darker complexions than her fairer skin. Gloria used to stare at the Olin Mills portrait of her mother, trying to find some pieces of herself in that picture. When she went to family functions, she used to question how she was related to the people there, and she recalled thinking that when her parents died, she didn't think she'd ever see extended family again. Gloria was a good kid, always towed the line, didn't make waves or cause trouble. When she asked her parents about their family, their shared history, and their connections, there were always answers, so she never suspected anything was amiss. One day, when she was playing with her older brother, she joked that he was adopted. She found herself in way more trouble than seemed appropriate for what she intended to be an innocent joke. We were arguing about something. I don't even remember what it was. Just kind of bickering back and forth. And I just, you know, hollered out to him, yeah, you're adopted. And I remember my mom just getting really mad at me for saying that. And I don't know if it was because I had heard adults talking about it or if I had heard somebody say something about it at school, but it just came out, you know, when we were arguing, just because there's no way we could be related. And it was probably some stupid fight, who knows, but at the moment, it's like, there's no way we could be related. You must be adopted. That is so crazy. And so did, with regard to your adoptive mother, what kind of connection did you feel with her? I don't know that I ever really had a connection with her. I mean, they, they gave me everything I needed, right? And they gave me love. I never felt unloved. But I, I do know that I never remember hearing it until I was an adult. I never remember hearing them saying, I love you. They weren't very affectionate, but if I needed a hug, I could, I'd get a hug. But it wasn't like, oh, you know, good morning, you know, come wake me up in the morning and just be overly affectionate. But I didn't see that between my parents either. So, I mean, they were married for 66 years, so there had to be some affection there, but I, they just never showed it. So I never got a whole lot of affection either, but I felt loved. 
I never felt unloved, but I never heard them say I love you. Again, I was an adult married out of the house. The first time my dad remembered my dad saying I love you, and it was, it was kind of a shock. I kind of like froze in that spot and didn't know how to react. Wow. Because it wasn't a habit for you to just naturally say back, oh, I love you too. Like it was Correct. not. Correct. Reflexive. Correct. Yeah. Wow. It was something I never heard. So something I never really said. Right. So. Wow. That is really fascinating. And then getting along <laughs> with your father, you've talked a little bit about your dad. You were searching for likenesses for people yes. in your family. You said it's your yes. father's family. He's one of 13. He's the oldest boy. He's the second. <clears throat> but their family didn't live close to you, so it was easy for you to sort of say, oh, maybe I'm like them because they weren't there in your face to Correct. naturally see their, here are the differences. Correct. How, Correct. how did you get along with him? We got along good. I mean, you know, he was he, – he swears he never disciplined me. He says he never spanked me, but I do remember once that he did spank me, but I, I guess it was kind of well-deserved. But And it was just like a single swat probably out of just a quick reaction on his part. But, I mean, he he – I was his daughter. I was kind of his everything. I mean, I belonged to him, and I remember he would come home. I would – I would greet him at the door whenever he came home from work and, you know, I'd help him, you know, whenever he'd sit down, I would you know, bring him something to drink, you know, when he came home from work, kind of the dad's home, let's welcome him home and make him feel important kind of thing. So You were like the dutiful little daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely wow. a daddy's girl. Gloria's family was Mexican. From what she knew, Gloria was also Mexican. Her brother had a darker complexion than her own. She said she's fairly light-complected, with dark hair and brown eyes. She pointed out that she looks Mexican. Her mom and dad have a lot of family that were also light-complected, with light brown hair and green or blue eyes, and her dad reportedly had some relatives in Spain with a similar look. Having a light complexion wasn't out of the ordinary in their family. When Gloria finished high school, she had the feeling from her parents that their obligation to her was done. She paid her own way through college and worked in the men's clothing section at a local department store. Her eventual husband, a Caucasian man, worked in the security office. When he caught shoplifters and they pretended they didn't speak English, Gloria would go to the security office and translate for him. They got married when she was 20 years old. She moved out of her parents' house but stayed in the area. Fast forward to 2016. Gloria's co-workers had done DNA tests and were sharing their results at work. She admits she was a little naive about what the DNA test did, but she was clear that it would reveal her ethnicity and some of her background. Her boss had pointed out that in her own DNA test, it revealed her family relationships like her mother's biological connection to herself. But since Gloria already knew her mom, it didn't really register in her mind as a noteworthy function of DNA testing. Gloria and another friend at work who was also from South Texas agreed they would do their DNA tests too. They joked that if they had enough of the right cultures in their heritage, maybe they could get a casino and make a bunch of money. But neither of them wanted to spend the $100 on the DNA test, so it wasn't until that winter when a Black Friday special on DNA tests made it affordable to submit a sample. 
Gloria's results came back in January of 2017. She learned she was about 36% Native American and roughly 10% Spanish. But then I had like 45% Great Britain. And I had no idea where that came from. And I asked my mom and dad, I'm like, where did all this white DNA come from? <laughs> and they, they're like, why, you know, so-and-so came from Spain, so it must have been from that part or whatever. And, and again, so I asked the question, they answered it, and it really didn't trigger anything. I was like, okay. I mean, I, it satisfied my question. I wasn't, like, any curious any beyond that. Recalling the DNA could match you with family. Gloria searched online, but there were no close relations, only fourth and fifth cousins, and no recognizable names from the family names she already knew. There was a Garcia in there somewhere that seemed to legitimize her parents' story, so Gloria just put the whole thing out of her mind. Later, one of her father's younger brothers passed away. It was the brother her dad had been closest to, Gloria's dad was sick with Parkinson's disease and wasn't moving very well, so she went with her parents to California for the funeral. They stayed with her aunt out there, but the woman didn't have internet access at her home, so Gloria would slip out in the early morning, grab a cup of coffee at a local coffee shop, and check her email. One morning, she had a message from an Ancestry DNA user that said they were a first cousin match, but she didn't recognize the user's name at all. Reviewing her matches, Gloria saw there was another first cousin whom she also didn't recognize. She admits her family is large and spread out, but as far as first cousins go, she at least knows their names. Recognizing the moment she was in, grasping for internet access while traveling for a funeral, she just kind of ignored the whole thing. It wasn't the right time to dive in. On the morning of the funeral, Gloria got another email from the cousin's mother. They were trying to figure out how everyone was related to each other because they also had some relatives who were adoptees, so they had holes in their family's tapestry of information too. Since the names still didn't match up and the funeral was that day, Gloria just pressed on without digging deeper. On the way home from California, she mentioned the whole thing to her mother, but she didn't recognize the names either. About a week after being home, Gloria emailed the unidentified cousin's mother again to try to learn more, gently suggesting that perhaps that DNA stuff wasn't very reliable. And I think it took like maybe 60 seconds before she replied back. I think she might have been sitting there waiting is what it felt like, or she just might have seen the message pop up right away. But she replied immediately. She goes, oh, no. She goes, I know it's accurate. My daughter did it, and one of her cousins did it, and they didn't know they did it, and they showed up as a match. And that was the other first cousin that showed up as a match oh, online. Wow. So, you know, I kind of let it go for a minute, and I didn't, you know, I think it took me a few days before I responded again. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know how this works. I don't, you know, I don't know who you are. So she's the first one that, you know, asked the question if it was possible that I was adopted. And I said, no, there's no possibility I was adopted. You know, I look like my dad's side of the family. We're all pretty much the same height, the same kind of build. And, you know, and it just came from this funeral, you know, so I didn't really know any different. Yeah, you were emotionally attached to that family, especially at the Correct. moment, right? Not to mention yes, having grown right. up and like without any inkling of a clue, 
you're also in exactly. a highly emotional moment where you're very, very connected to the family around you. Yes, yes. So I asked her, well, is it possible that you're adopted? And she said, oh, no, you know, I can trace my family tree back to the 1800s, 1600s or something like that. And I was like, well, okay, well, I, I couldn't get my family tree to go back that far only because Mexican names are very common. But then I started thinking that, well, maybe my dad had an affair and she was the product of that affair. And so that might be how we were related. Because she sent me an email back another day or two later, and she says, I've been doing some research because this is just fascinating to me, and I don't think you're my daughter's first cousin. I think you are her half-aunt, which would make us half-sisters. Whoa. So that's where the thought came in. Well, my dad had an affair. That's that's the only logical explanation. Mm. And so she was like, well, why don't you, you ask your mom? I said, well, I can't ask my mom. First of all, they're old. They're not in the best of health. And if my dad had an affair, it would kill the both of them for me to bring that up. I mean, right. they've been married over 60 years. There's no way I could just bring that up in a casual conversation. Right. So I said, well, how about if you ask your parents? And she's like, you know, her mom had already passed away or she would ask her. And then her dad, she didn't have a relationship with her father. So um, she couldn't really ask him. So she ordered her DNA kit. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll you know, figure this out where this is going, right? So in the meantime, while she's waiting for her DNA kit to come in, or she her kit came in, she sent them off, she's waiting for her results. She's emailing me back and forth, you know, just trying to, you know, find out, you know, how we fit together and asking me a bunch of questions. I got an email from her one morning, and uh, it said, my daughter called and said that her grandfather showed up on her ancestry profile. And what does it show as a match for him? Is he on your match as well? What does it show? So I went and I looked at my DNA profile and it said plain as day, this is your dad. Whoa. <sighs> Man, how was that to see that? It was, it was very shocking. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't know what to think. I still was so much in denial that my thinking shifted from my dad having an affair to my mom having an affair. Because mm -hmm. that would be the only logical explanation. Sure. And knowing how, you know, I was daddy's little girl, there's no way I could bring that subject up to my parents. So I did ask my mom about the name. I said, do you know this name? I said, this name is, you know, this is this lady that's been emailing me, and this is her, the name of her father. And she's asking me if I know this name. And my mom goes, no, I don't, I don't know that name at all. So yeah, I didn't know what to think. I, mean, I just was completely clueless. I, I was just so far in denial that there's just no way that I was adopted. There just couldn't have been a way. Did you think she was telling the truth, your mom? I did. I did. You know, just like she doesn't know this man. She didn't appear to be, like, be nervous or, or dodge the situation or dodge the question or dodge the, the subject. Gloria decided she needed to order some DNA kits for her parents to take. When they arrived in the mail, she held on to them for a few weeks, trying to muster the courage to approach her parents to submit their samples. It was early June. This whole thing had only unfolded in the prior month. 
Her father's brother had recently passed away, and there she was, questioning her parentage. She got their DNA samples and sent them off. By July, the results were returned. I waited like all day before I looked. I just couldn't look. And then I was so busy at work that day that I didn't have an opportunity to, to really look at it, to even just open it. So I thought, okay, my friend at work, I'd been talking to her about all this that had been going on. I said, I'm going to go to her house after work. We'll look at it together. We'll figure it out. We'll look at it. And the main reason for me doing that was just to prove this lady wrong. It wasn't to to find out that the truth. It was just to prove her wrong because there's no way she could be right that mm -hmm. I was adopted. Yeah. And I was just really trying to tell her that, no, you don't know what you're talking about. This is not right. Because in essence, so what I, she's trying, telling you from the outside is, I know something that you don't know and your life is not right. what you thought it was. That would be incredibly exactly. challenging to just go with. Like, well, maybe you're right. Yeah, exactly. So I, it was late in the afternoon at work. I had kind of a slowdown and I was like kind of got to a point where I was actually by myself. There was nobody around. And and then I thought about it. So I said, well, let me look at it. I'm just going to look real fast. I'll look at my mom's or I'll look at, I'll look at one of them. I won't look at both of them. I'll just look at one of them. I looked at it and I had some link to find out how we're related or whatever. And it says that you are not a DNA match. Wow. And I, I pretty much lost it at that point. I, I, I had to leave work. I called my friend. I said, I got to get out of here. I said, I just, I sent her a text and I said, she's not my mom. He must've questioned every single thing. At that moment, huh? Yeah. So my friend actually came to pick me up. We went to a bar, and I started drinking. And I started drinking a lot from that day forward. It was it was mostly so that I could forget. I didn't know how to ask my parents. Yeah, I can't imagine how you even broached this topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... I. I didn't know who I was anymore. I was like, my identity was completely gone. This is, couldn't this couldn't be real. So what I ended up doing, I ended up I called one of my aunts because I said and she'll tell me the truth. When Gloria called her aunt and said she wanted to ask a question, her aunt gasped. She seemed guarded. When Gloria asked if she had any knowledge of her being adopted, her aunt didn't give a direct answer. She pointed out how much Gloria's father loved her and adored her and her brother. Gloria redirected, pointing out that she hadn't answered the question. Her aunt went on to say there were no cell phones back when she was born and she lived very far from Gloria's family and they hardly saw one another. Her aunt said one day she simply got a call that said the family had a baby. She never actually saw Gloria's mom pregnant. Gloria asked that her aunt not say anything about the call to her mother. She decided she was going to do her DNA test again. Because again, I'm still in denial. I was going to order another kit and repeat my DNA. Prior to calling my aunt, I called Ancestry. And I asked them what their accuracy rate was. Because I wanted to know how accurate their DNA testing was. And the guy said, well, it's 99%. So I hung on to that 1% chance that it was wrong. 
And I said, so there's 1% chance that this could not be right. And he goes, well, let me look up your account. And he goes, I see that you're managing these two people. And he said, who are they? I said, well, they're supposed to be my parents. And there was just dead silence on the phone for, it seemed like forever. And then he said, oh. I said, yeah, so you see my problem. And he goes, well, you would have to pay for another kit if you wanted to repeat it. So I said, okay, not a problem. So I hung up the phone, and that's when I called my aunt, and I told her I would repeat it. Don't tell anything my parents. I think I had worked. I had got called in the middle of the night, so I had worked like really long hours. Since nobody was home, I turned the phone off. It was kind of early in the day. I was able to get out early since I worked all night, and I took a nap. I slept for like three hours because I was just exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up to like four missed calls from my mother. And my mother never calls. I mean, she never calls me. Maybe, you know, once a month she'll call, you know, if I don't call her. So I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. I just knew that she was going to be mad because I asked my aunt about this, about something that could be so wrong. And why would I, why would I bring this kind of subject up? So finally I called her back and she said, hey, do you want to come over? They, don't, they live about 15 minutes away from me. I said, sure. So I drove over there the whole time thinking she was going to reprimand me for for asking such a crazy question, something. And how could I suggest that I wasn't there? So I get there, and I could tell she'd been crying. She'd been upset. And my dad's very hard of hearing. So he's sitting there, you know, and I say hi and everything to him, and, you know, I sit down. And so he's not really part of the conversation, even though he's there, because he can't hear what we're saying. He doesn't understand what we're saying. He knows what was what's happening, but he he can't hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. So my mom tells me it was July eighteenth, twenty seventeen. And she revealed it. What did she, she say? She said, "I'm going to tell you something that you probably already know." She said, "I'm not your birth mother, and your dad's not your birth dad." I can't even imagine sitting there actually hearing the confirmation. Yeah. Do you recall what you said? How you felt? I um. I remember just being kind of numb because I didn't. I didn't want to get so emotional that it would upset my parents. So, I, you know, asked her a few questions. You know, she said that when, you know, I was two months old when she adopted me, she knew that my biological mother was a college student and biological father was in the Coast Guard. And she knew that he was white and that she was Mexican. And I knew it had to be true because... Now, half-sister, she had shared that information that her father had been in the Coast Guard. Oh, wow. So I knew that had to be true. Gloria's mother went on to say there was a letter waiting for her at the courthouse, and all she had to do was go ask for it. But this world of adoption was completely new to her. She didn't know about natural mothers leaving letters for their relinquished children, nothing about adoption law and access to records or anything. Gloria and her friend took a day off from work to drive to Corpus Christi, Texas, to try to get the letter. 
The woman working the desk told Gloria she would have to petition to get her records unsealed, but she would need a case number for that. The duo was directed to the computer system there at the courthouse where they could enter Gloria's name, her biological parents' names, her date of birth, and anything else she knew of. Nothing came up in the system. They returned to the woman at the desk for more help, confirming that they accurately entered what Gloria's birth certificate showed. They couldn't figure out why Gloria's information wasn't showing up. So I went and asked the lady again. I said, it's showing that there's nothing there. And she goes, are you sure this is where you're born? I said, well, yeah, that's what my birth certificate says. And my mom confirmed, had confirmed that, yes, I was born at Corpus Christi. And she said, I, I, you know, she was, I, don't, I don't know why it's not showing up. She goes, there must be some information that's not accurate in their records from what I have. Mm-hmm. So she said, I guess I, you know, I could probably keep looking. And then she had revealed that she herself was adopted yeah. and that she always knew that she was adopted. And so I looked at her square in the face and I said well I found out 30 days ago and her eyes just became like saucers they just got really big she's like oh my god Mm -hmm. so she said I will keep looking as you know I'll look and see if I can find them for you she says write your information down here's my phone number and I'll keep looking to see if I can find them for you so I left there empty-handed thought I was going to have this letter you know I didn't but I walked out of there empty-handed so it was kind of Felt defeated a bit, I guess. Right. Um, you know, when I when I told, emailed, I guess you know, half sister, she was excited. She was sympathetic because you know I had this big bombshell dropped on me, but she she was excited. She said she'd always wanted a sister. You know, I I never really thought about it because my brother and I were never close, so I never really thought about it. And so she was very helpful in helping me find looking for my biological mother. So the only thing I knew to do was to go to biological dad that showed up on Ancestry, who he had never reached out, so he had to see my name show up on his list. He never reached out. Gloria reached out to the man and basically said, DNA says, you're my dad, so who are you? The man said he didn't know anything about Gloria. She was a total surprise. Back and forth in messages, Gloria asked a variety of questions, like who her biological mother was. Gave me a name, said that my biological mother was from Mexico, and that she would come. He was he was living in Brownsville at the time that uh, I was conceived, which is far south Texas, down by the border. Mm-hmm. And so he said she would come to the United States since she was a housekeeper. He was a police officer there in Brownsville and she was a housekeeper for several of the police officers families and that she had other children and the husband had, and she was married and her husband had taken the children and moved to California and she wanted to go to California and that his wife had gone out of town to go visit her mother and they had like a little one night stand. And so he knew nothing about me. I relayed this to half-sister, and she said that can't be true because at that time, her grandmother had already passed away. So her mom couldn't have gone to visit her mom because she had already passed. Oh, really? Yeah. So just to recap, just for I want to just catch up for you. So 
you reach out to your biological father mm-hmm. and his DNA match is online. So he's done a DNA test. Someone has either he voluntarily did it or someone, you know, supported him in doing it the same way that you did with your right. parents. Right. You reach out to him and he sort of ties together that he would have been in the place that you were born, but he is telling a false story that his wife had left town and he had an affair with a woman when in fact at the time that you would have been conceived, his wife's mother yeah. would have been deceased. So that it's a Correct. false story that, that she, she went out of town to go visit town. her mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So, so I had, you know, I had to, at least I had a name, you know, he gave me a name. I didn't know where to, you know, how to look for her, you know, especially if she was from Mexico and possibly moved to California. And then the other thing that brought up was, if she wanted to move to California, why did she end up in Corpus Christi to have a baby? So, you know, things just didn't add up from what he said. Gloria's new paternal half-sister kept searching for her birth mother, searching her family tree and reviewing old photos to see if there were any clues. Gloria also signed up for support from a search angel, handing over all the information she had. She said within 10 minutes of sending that information, She had a phone call and an email with her birth mother's name, and it wasn't the name her birth father had given her. The name was one of nearly 200 possible people within the age range of her biological mother. Add in the fact that this woman probably had remarried and wasn't using that name anymore, it seemed impossible to find her. However, in Texas, adoptees are allowed to obtain their original birth certificate if they have their birth parents' names. So, Gloria took a shot at getting hers, using the name the search angel had uncovered. And I took about a month or so, and it came in. And and then again, I felt like my identity was gone again, because she didn't give me a name. It was just just blank. Mm -hmm. It just had her last name as my name. Not even baby girl on it, just blank. Oh, wow. But it had her name, and she put her, her... Brownsville address on there and it had her age on there as well so I sent that information to the search angel and then the search angel was able to narrow those 200 people to like one year on either side of my birthday so she narrowed it down to five people that were kind of in the area that you know I guess out of Texas that was one she used and she was sending me information from the birth index so it had her name her date of birth and then her parents' names. Gloria's sister is a bit of an internet sleuth, so with the information they had, she was able to find Gloria's maternal grandfather's obituary. In that obituary, all of his children were listed, including Gloria's biological mother. So then she, you know, goes to social media, and she finds her on social media, and we look it up. I didn't really see a resemblance, but... I guess maybe in the eyes I could kind of see a little bit. But, I, you know, I did the same thing with my grandmother. I thought my eyes looked like my grandmother's eyes, so mm. I wasn't getting my hopes up. So I start looking through her friends list. She didn't have any privacy settings on her account, so I'm looking through her friends list. And I come up to one of what I think is one of her brothers because his name was listed on the obituary as well. And when I looked at his profile picture, it was it was like looking in a mirror. 
it was like, that's my smile. You know, those are my eyes. It was so surreal. I can't even imagine. So. Was it a relief? I knew that was her. Kind of. It was kind of a relief because I actually realized this is really her. This is really happening. This is really her. I had it to find gone. a way to get a hold of her. That 1% is gone. That 1% yeah. is gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. So I had to find, you know, find a way to get a hold of her. I So I went back to biological dad on Ancestry and I gave him her name and I said, this is my biological mother. You gave me a false name and why would you give me the wrong information and who is this lady? And he said, I told you that because you probably had a better childhood than if you would have stayed with her. And this lady could possibly be your biological mother. And I'm like, what do you mean by possibly? So I was like, well, you know, the records show that, that this is my birth mom right here. So, you know, he, he asked that I don't contact him again. He didn't want to contact, want me to contact him again. Gloria's contact with the man had only been through email. They never spoke by phone, and at that point, he signed off from their relationship. Continuing her attempts to contact her biological mother, Gloria found a phone number for the woman. When she called, there was no answer. She found an address for the woman in South Texas, so she sent a certified letter with her phone number, but she didn't include her email address. Gloria hoped the woman would just pick up the phone and call. She received a notification that the woman had signed for the letter, so she waited for that call. Gloria said it felt like the longest week of her life. She responded with a letter. So I got the letter in the mail, and she said, yeah, she gave me a little bit of the story. She said that she had been dating this man for about six months before she got pregnant. And they had met through one of her cousins that he had dated before. So he was married. And dating her and uh, dating the cousin before that. Oh, wow. So kind of back to his side of the family, the half-sister, she has two brothers, um, one older, one younger. And then her younger brother was born the end of September of 1969, and I was born a week after him. Oh, wow. So he and, had two women pregnant at the same time. Yeah. So explains um, why he didn't want to talk to you anymore, probably. Right. I think so. You were his illegitimate um, child outside of his marriage. Right. So, and, and you know, my half-sister had put pieced all this together before, whenever we first started communicating. And when I first when I found out that, yes, I was adopted, she had already pieced all this together. So, biological mom, she tells me that while she was pregnant... She had thought about giving me up for adoption, but she hadn't made up her mind yet. And the story she got from BioDad, her boyfriend at the time, was that he was either divorced or in the process of getting a divorce. And for some reason, she followed him one day, and she saw him pull up into at this house, and he apparently had told her that he was living in some apartment. And he pulled up to this house, and his wife is out in the yard waiting for him and they're both pregnant so she actually went to confront the wife when he wasn't there and they were sitting in the kitchen table talking whenever he came home 
and apparently he was pretty pretty angry. And so shortly after that, he took his kids and moved to San Antonio. So the younger brother was born in San Antonio, where the others were born there in Brownsville. And then she ended up meeting some traveling salesman, and he said he would take care of her. And so she moved with him to Corpus Christi, and then that's where I was born. And then after I was born, her parents came and picked her up and took her back to Brownsville, and then she left with this traveling salesman shortly thereafter to California. She lived in California for many years. Wow. What a <clears throat> set of drama. Holy mackerel. Yeah. So she she still hadn't made up her mind to give me up for adoption. And she said that when she moved to Corpus Christi, the doctor that she went to said that he had a couple that wanted to adopt a baby and that they would pay all of her medical expenses. And so that's when she made the decision to go ahead and give me up for adoption. Wow. She said even though she was 20 years old, even though she was 20, she said she was really kind of had the mentality of like a 16-year-old. She was pretty naive, pretty young, so she didn't think she you know, could raise me. Yeah. So when I asked my mom about paying for the medical expenses, my mom said no. She says I didn't pay for anybody's medical expenses. And I was two months old when my parents adopted me. So, you know, where was I those first two months of life if somebody was waiting to adopt me? Right. What happened with that? Keep in mind, all of this was only five months from the time Gloria got that first message from her half-niece. We agreed it was like a volcano's eruption of emotions and information and was a jarring disruption for Gloria. She said she was doing a lot of drinking as a means to cope with everything. There was so much coming at her that, by the time she processed one chapter in the story, the next chapter opened with so much more. I mean, I just, I behaved badly. I just, I know I did. And it, it, that behavior pushed my half-sister away. But before they parted ways, Gloria and her paternal sister met for lunch halfway between Austin and Houston, Texas. I was so nervous. You know, because this was so foreign to me. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect. So I was very nervous. But she was very nice, very energetic. Uh, you know, told me a lot about her side of the family. They don't have any real, she doesn't have a relationship with anybody in her family, with her brothers or her, or her father. They just, fa biological father was not a fine, upstanding citizen. So he had divorced her mother. A week after the divorce, he married somebody else. And that lady is the one that really kind of raised her. She ended up having an affair on biological father and moved out with her kids. And he was never really around. And he was always kind of out, I guess, looking for another wife. He found another woman that he wanted to marry. But she told him that there were too many kids between the two of them and that he needed to get rid of two of his kids before she would marry him. And they were teenagers, so the oldest quit school, joined the military. And then shortly after that, she got pregnant. And so she married her boyfriend. She was 16. She married her boyfriend and he moved in with his family. And so then he was able to marry this other woman with her kids. The two, the two that she wanted to go left, and so she was able to come in. So, yeah. And apparently he's still married to her to this day. So she had a pretty rough life um, yeah. as well. 
It took a few months for Gloria to eventually meet her birth mother. The woman's brother drove her to San Antonio, Texas to meet Gloria for the first time. They met at an outdoor shopping mall that reminded her mother of the shopping centers in Los Angeles. Gloria told me they met for lunch and had a really nice conversation. I still really don't see a, 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 a resemblance to her at all. I really don't. To her brothers, yes, but that to her, I don't. And she's kind of like me, not very emotional, you know, very stoic, so I really don't show a whole lot of emotion most of the time. Uh, so after lunch, she had to go back to go meet her brothers, and so I met you know, her two brothers, and then the brother that lives there in San Antonio, his wife. And his wife, I guess my aunt, I guess, she she said she knew that my, my biological mother didn't tell anybody. Like her brothers and sisters didn't know. So she had to tell them after I contacted her that wow. she had a baby that she gave up for adoption. So, but the, but the wife knew. She said they had gone to California to go visit her. And the traveling salesman that she followed out there told her. Well, she had a baby that she gave up for adoption before we came out here. Oh, really? And she never said anything. She never mentioned it. She said, you know, it really wasn't wasn't my story to tell. And I don't know if he was telling the truth or not. But, you know, that's what he said. So so she said she knew all these years. And everybody was shocked when she said, I knew. And we all kind of looked at her like, really? So <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. She said, you look, she goes, you look like your mom and you look like her husband, she goes, I can see, I can see the resemblance in you. Oh man. And that was the first time that I had heard anybody say that. And so I kind of got emotional at that point because I had never heard that before in my life. Yeah. I always just grasped at who I thought I looked like, but to actually hear it was, it was, that was something. Yeah. That third party validation from a person who was present. You know, yes. even even though she was on this on the sidelines, she had a direct knowledge, and so for her right. to say that must have been really validating amidst a whole set of confusion. Yes, Gloria was forty seven at the time that this whole thing erupted in her life. She was married for more than twenty years. She had children of her own. Gloria had lived a full life before all of this was unveiled, exposing that her identity wasn't what she thought it was. I asked her what went through her mind about her own family as she learned so much about herself. You know, family's always been really important to me. It was always very important. And I was always one of the ones that said that, you know, family wasn't necessarily blood-related. The family was who you choose to have in your life, and that was there for you when you needed them. But that feeling kind of changed a bit. You know, it's like blood is where you came from. It is concrete evidence that this is part of you. You're a part of that. You, you don't choose to be a part of that. You are born into that. And my kids is what I'm passing on to them. And what I thought I was passing on to them was, you know, I don't want to say it wasn't real because it was real, but it wasn't true. So I make sure they know every single day that I love them. I tell them every single time I talk to them, I love you. Be careful. Whether it's a text or a phone call or it's in front of their friends, 
mm-hmm. you know, call, I still tell them, even though my daughter's married, hey, just shoot me a text when you get home, just so I know you got home safe. It's something that, you know, to them, it, this doesn't change who I am. Right. You know, they and my daughter has said, well, you know, I have a grandma and a grandpa. I don't need another one. And I'm like, I'm not trying to get, replace them. I said, but this is my truth. This is where I came from. This is related to them. Yep. I said, sure, I was raised there. There's, you know, a lot to say, you know, for nature versus nurture. But this is, you know, biological family is is important, at least to know where you came from. How were they and how were you with them in the midst of your drinking? You speak about drinking in the past tense. So my sense is that you've gotten a handle on it. And I, I really hope that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was a coping mechanism. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it it lasted maybe six months, but, you know, it, it, if that, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, as, as I guess things kind of calmed down and I was able to handle things a little bit better, I, I, I didn't need it anymore. Yeah. They must have been so worried about you. You know, my daughter was already moved out of the house. Mm-hmm. So it was really just my son. He was a teenager, you know, kind of really doing his own thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he noticed, you know, he, he noticed that I was drinking quite a bit. He's He takes after his dad in height, so I'm pretty short. So he would push the liquor bottles to the back of the top shelf so I couldn't reach them. Good for him. And I told him, I said, well, the joke's on you because there's a step stool right there that I'll just go get when I need it. So. Oh, gosh. Oh, that must have been really tough, though. Yeah. Hmm. So, But, uh, you know, I again, it was, you know, to cope. Yeah. And it was so that my thoughts didn't run away from me because whenever all I did was sit and think about it and there was just, you know, so many things that would run through my mind. So I could just drink and kind of forget about it and then it would help me sleep. Gloria said things are good with her and her natural mother. The pandemic eliminated their chances to see one another as much as they would like, but they did see each other a few other times before we were all forced into social distances and quarantine. The only awkwardness is she she likes to schedule all of our phone conversations. So it's just I don't know, it's just a little bit awkward to me. Like, you know, I, I just pick up the phone call. I just pick up the phone and make a phone call when I'm ready to talk to somebody if I want to talk to somebody. Or I might shoot them a quick text, Hey, you got a minute to talk, you know, if it's kinda of random. But right. yeah, no, she's like, Hey, can we talk? you know, let's talk like Sunday at nine o'clock, you know, I'll call you. And that's fine, you know, and I think it's, you know, because I travel for work, so she knows she doesn't really want to, you know, interrupt my family time if she doesn't have to. So I think that's probably part of the reason why she wants to do that. Yeah, maybe. She may also be getting herself mentally prepared to speak with you as well. True. True. And, you know, and I mean, but things are going well. You know, she said early on, you know, she goes, you know, I would never call myself your mother. She said, you have a mother that raised you. She said, I don't want to take her place. So, and that's fine. It's, you know, we have a really good friendship. That's good. It's it's great. After 66 years of marriage to her adoptive mother, Gloria's adoptive father passed away in December of 2019. Needless to say, her mom is having a tough time after her loss and presumably being home in quarantine these days. So I come home as often as I can and see her. And I mean, I ask her questions every now and again, just kind of random questions when something pops up in my mind that I want to ask her and, you know, she answers them. And yeah. So so nothing's really changed on that end. Mm-hmm. 
but you know I just have this sense of obligation as well you know to I couldn't be mad at them I mean they raised me the best they could I think that's part of where my the drinking came into was because I was so angry and I mean even growing up I had a lot of anger issues and never knew why but that anger I, I couldn't take it out on them because I mean it would just it would kill them I couldn't live with myself if if that was the case so I had to direct it elsewhere mm-hmm mm-hmm and spent you know a couple of years in, in seeing a counselor and, and working through some things and I think that's that's definitely helped quite a bit. Yeah, the counseling is really important to be able to speak with somebody yes. else. Yes, is... and just the adoption community itself is so helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I wish I knew it existed before I this whole thing, but I think it would have helped. But yeah, but you know, you you can't discover a community that you need if you don't know you need them either. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> you know. It's yes. it's surreal. That's like uh, you know, if you've got a chronic disease in your heredity that you don't know about, you, like you're not going to go join a prostate right. cancer survivors group if you've never actually had it. You know what I mean? So it's right. yes, it's it's hard to predict yes. what you need if you don't know that it's out there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you've survived this unbelievable flow of information. At such a jar in such a jarring way. That was it was it was mm. uh yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anybody handling it the way I did. I just uh it was it was a tough time in my life and I just chose the wrong way to handle it. Yeah. And it cost me a relationship with my half sister. But What would you say I to her? If you if she heard this, what would you say to her? I guess I'd probably just say that you know, that wasn't me. That was a reaction to to the way I found out. That it was just a terrible way to find out and such a shock that it that it was a trauma that I couldn't that I couldn't deal with. I'd never really had a trauma like that in my life before. So, you know, just I would want her to get to know the real me. Not the me that she met. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I kept in contact with her a little bit. I would, you know, send her emails every now and again. And I, you know, I did tell her that, you know, that that wasn't me. And mm-hmm. her response was, we, you know, we all are dealt things in life. And what defines us is how we handle it. You know, some people are stronger than others. Some people can handle things better than others. And that doesn't mean that that's who you are. It just means that you're human and that you have faults. I agree. And I also think that you have to allow for the the degree of difficulty of the situation, right? Right, right. The the most level-headed person could handle something badly if the situation is challenging enough to truly test them to their core. And that's exactly what you were dealt. This was a test to your core, the very existence of who you grew up with as a person. And I hope that she will try to find forgiveness in that because part of what my sense is she needs to do is truly empathize with putting herself at 47 years old and thinking 
what if I found out? You know what I mean? So I'm ho- I'm hopeful right. that there's room for forgiveness and that you guys can find a pathway to forward together. Right. You know, and I, I guess, you know, also part of it, I didn't really take her feelings into consideration. This was kind of a bombshell to her as well. Yes. You know, to find out that her dad was, you know, cheating on her and her mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most recently had another half-brother pop up oh, on boy. my DNA list. Oh, boy. That is between her and her older brother, so he, from another woman. So he was cheating on the wife from the very beginning, and he married the wife because he got her pregnant. Oh wow! So this is a real life pattern for him. That's really too bad. Yes. Yeah, because this this that you're right. That is incredibly jarring for her as well, and for it to continue right. to unfold right. as a narrative, it's got to be really difficult. I'm sorry. Wow. Right. Well. I'm really glad more than anything else that you have found a space of recovery because that could have yes. continued to be a very dark place to be in. And I think you deserve credit. What your sister said about it's how we handle things doesn't take into account how you're handling things now, which is right. far better. Right. There was a moment of, forgive my words, sort of hysteria. And once you got an opportunity to sort of mentally grasp everything that was going on, you were able to calm down. And this moment you're in now of much calmer handling, understanding, sort of seeing what the whole picture is, is is different than that moment. And and I think you deserve a lot of credit for that. Yes. Well, Gloria. Yeah, of course. I, I really appreciate you opening up. This is an incredibly sensitive story to tell but i think you offer a lot to other adoptees who are trying to find their pathway forward and uh, and i'm just appreciative that you chose to do so so thank you so much oh yes well thank you for for listening your show's great and it's it's been very helpful as well and, oh, glad uh, thank you again i really appreciate you being here gloria and i wish you all the best okay all right thank you so much all right take care bye-bye all right bye-bye Hey, it's me. Gloria said she contacted the other brothers, but they don't seem to want to have contact with her. She's decided to let those relationships go. But I hope she can get the relationship with her paternal half-sister back on track. It feels like they both need to take a little more time to empathize with the other's position, like we said near the end. As I pointed out, her sister may be right about how we handle the challenges in our lives, but. I strongly believe that real consideration has to be given to the level of difficulty of the situation you're in when someone else gives you a failing grade on how you responded. I think handling the easy stuff poorly means you've got some work to do on yourself. But handling the most extreme tests of your identity and everything that you thought your life was requires much more forgiveness than nearly any other thing you might face. As you navigate your own reunion and all of the relationships it brings into your life, I hope you'll forgive your missteps along the way and be happy with everything you feel you did right. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Gloria's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit 
whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash WAIReally or follow on Twitter at WAIReally. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash WAIReally. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.